0: Yorah from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't already know, today we are starting a new series called Live to Tell. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake them, I want you to say, live to tell. Okay, and this particular series is focused on evangelism. And what is evangelism? So evangelism is the spreading and proclamation of the gospel. And you know what? Here's the thing. This gospel is powerful. This gospel, this message of Jesus Christ is powerful. It's changing lives all over the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just a simple come here to church and then do two hours here and then leave. No, God wants to say something to you this morning. This gospel is transforming lives all over the world. And you know what? The good news of God is so good. Years ago, there was an interview on CNN News with this interesting individual. And this particular individual had long black braids down past his his stomach. He also had goth makeup and goth style and he was being interviewed. And he had tattoos pinned all the way down from his neck, all the way through his hands. You could see it under the singlet that he was wearing while he was on CNN. And so this particular interview was going on and the interview was about this individual named Brian Welsh. Brian Head Welsh, he's the lead guitarist of the heavy metal band, Korn. And so while he's getting interviewed, the interview is asking him all these questions and he announces how Jesus saved him from his previous lifestyle. The lifestyle of binge drinking and dr- drugs and everything like that, he was addicted to meth. And he talked about how he left the band because that lifestyle was killing him. He said everything was complete chaos. And he was headed for destruction. And he was looking for a way out. And after a whole night of binge drinking with the band, he decided to go for a walk. And as he's walking down the street in town, he sees this church. And something pulled him in to go into the church. And he said he walked in, he's telling the interviewer, he walked in through the doors and he said that the people in the church looked at him with his makeup, with the sweat of what he was wearing the night before, the clothes, the stench of the alcohol was still on him. And you know what he said? He said that a man came and put his arm around him, took him in and sat with him on the pew. And basically the whole story is about how that church loved him into the body of Christ this message changed his life and what you don't what you need to understand is that while this was going on he was signing a multi multi-millionaire record deal but he decided to leave the band you know why because he needed change and the only answer the only hope he found was in Jesus Christ you see this gospel ladies and gentlemen is changing lives it's changing and transforming people And this morning, I'm here to encourage you that God can use you to do the same. Live to tell. Brian Head Welsh. You can look him up if you want after this service. And he said that the taste for alcohol and drugs left him the moment he placed faith in Jesus Christ. You see, many people, they come and say, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying to stop smoking. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to do this. But the problem is it's an internal problem. You can't fix it outside. It's got to be happening on the inside, and only Christ can do that for you. The gospel, the gospel is powerful. And what blessed me about this particular story is that the church loved him. They didn't judge him. They took him in, and they introduced him to this Jesus that we were singing about today. It's your breath in my lungs, God. Today, I'm going to tell you what what God wants us to do. And so I'm talking about evangelism. And here's the thing. Sometimes when we hear the word evangelism, we're immediately immediately like, ugh. Because all you hear or what you see is people that are shouting in public. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. So all you think is that's evangelism in the public eye. But that's not evangelism. Evangelism, ladies and gentlemen, is the spreading of the gospel. It's the proclaiming of the gospel. It's you telling somebody else about Jesus. That's what it is. And every single person in here, if you're a believer today, God has called you to take part in what he wants you to do. He, he's calling you to take part in taking that gospel to those around you. Amen? Because you see, there's people everywhere that are going through something. You may be going through a great time, but I tell you, life happens. Trials come your way. Hardships come your way. And where's your hope? No amount of alcohol, ladies and gentlemen, is going to solve that problem. You may be having a good time tonight, but tomorrow morning when you wake up, your bills are still not paid. Your marriage is still falling. Because no amount of physical thing can solve it. Only Jesus can. And so he's the hope. And so today, I wanted to encourage each and every one of you to think of evangelism more on the side of how like one beggar tells another how, where he found the bread. Now, on the short time that I've been on this planet, I've realized that a lot of believers don't share their faith. And they don't share it for two specific reasons. Number one, they don't know what to say. And that's a very genuine reason. Number two is they don't understand the importance of why they need to share their faith. They will just simply go to church and have a beautiful day. And then they'll go Monday to Sunday with a very nice, beautiful, comfortable life. And then they'll die and go to heaven. And then all they've impacted in this life is just themselves. But God is calling us to be a disciple and a disciple, a follower of Christ. He wants us to win others and take them with us to heaven with him. And you have the opportunity to do that. Okay, the focus I'm going to talk about today is Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 17. But I'm going to focus on verses 1 to 3. If you can please bring up that slide. Thank you, son. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we need workers in the field. And I'm not referring to full time ministers or pastors. I'm talking about everyday people like you, workers that are positioned in the marketplace that can spread this gospel and proclaim it to to others about what Jesus has done for you as well. Every believer is called to evangelize, every believer is called to tell others about Jesus, every believer is a minister. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say that. Every believer is a minister. You are a minister. (laughs) And you know what? Here's the thing. You know, having a relationship with God is the greatest thing. And it is the best gift that you can give somebody else. It is the best gift you can offer to somebody. Salvation comes from Jesus alone, but it is the best news. It is the good news to give someone else because you know why this earth is temporary and I want us to have the right mindset and attitude this morning when looking at evangelism think about it like what I said before it's like one beggar telling the other way he found the bread today I wanted to give you just little bit of a practical tip of what you can do as a follower of Christ. Because I know that many of you sitting here, you are followers of Jesus. And so, like I said, some of you don't know what to say. But here's how, why I'm here today to tell you. The first thing you can do is pray. And there's a scripture in Romans chapter one, sixteen. 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. And here's the thing. It is the power of God saving everyone who believes. There are lost people everywhere. Some people say to me, oh, it's okay, Fee. Um, I know that you're good at doing this, so you can do it. And it's like, mm, there's lost people everywhere. Oh, but Fee, I don't know any lost people. You just need to look at your family. <laughs> look at your family. Look at work. Go to the gym. Most of you, your gym partners and all of that, People that don't know Jesus, there's many opportunities for you to present the gospel to them. And what you need to do is to step out and start a conversation. You'll never know how God can use it unless you actually just begin one. Just begin it. And I'll explain that further as we go. Sometimes we think that all the responsibility is just on us to win somebody to the Lord as a believer. But what our job is, is actually to move them Up the scale which is the angle scale so if you just look up at the scale for a moment everybody is sitting somewhere in that scale and so you as a follower of Christ if you feel like oh I don't know what to say what you need to do is pray and cooperate with the Holy Spirit because that's what he wants us to do is to cooperate with him you can't do it without Jesus I can't stand up here without God I can't talk to students like Finau, Sonia, James, all these students that you see here, Lomé. I couldn't speak to them unless I had a conversation with God first. Lord, help me. You've called me not to be ashamed of this gospel. I know that I'm called to the campus, so I pray, God, that you'll help me. Please help me to tell me what to say. I don't know what to say. And so what our job is, is just to move people up the scale. So sometimes people feel like it's all on them. They all, it's all their responsibility to try and win them to the Lord, to pray the prayer of salvation. But no, it comes in stages. And you could be the very person that just is the link to helping them get to know God, if that makes sense. Oh, please, next slide, uh, Son. I just wanted to explain this. I'm not really sure if you can see that. But in those little notes up there, it says the first grade is emptiness. Between no God framework and repentance of faith, that little block there, it says emptiness, interest in Christianity, and awareness of personal need. So I'll give you an example. Me and Leonard, we work on the campus. We we see a lot of students. We talk to a lot of students. We have life groups and things like that. And so we've met a lot of students, and Leo in particular has met a lot of atheists that have no interest in God. They don't care about Jesus. They don't want to know. But what he does is he just befriends them, has lunch with them. And has a conversation and slowly he's moving them up the scale. And I'll explain a little bit more with what's been happening. So a practical way is just to have a conversation. It's simple. There are many opportunities and God is always talking. God is always speaking. And here's the thing. God is looking for people that he can use to share this gospel to others. It's not just for full-time ministers and staff. Before I became a staff member, I was already doing this. As a student, I just wanted to be used by God. I was like, God, I want you to use me. There's thousands of people on this planet, billions of people. Yet God chose me from Fiji, a small island. Took me out, brought me here. And I said, God, I want to be used by you. I want to tell your gospel. I want to be used by you. And all of a sudden, God took me out from a small nation. He chose me. He brought me here. And God can do the same thing with you. I didn't just get up here for just today. This happened way back when I in my private time when I was praying, God, I want to be used by you. And today I've been here more than 10 years in this ministry. I've seen thousands of young people come to know Jesus through this gospel. I've seen them change. I've some of them are in this church, some of them are not in this church. And all it was was a simple, "Lord, here. Yeah, you can use me." <laughs> You can use me. And I wanted to challenge and empower and encourage each and every one of you today that God wants to use you right where you're at. You're in position already. You're an accountant. You're a lawyer. You're a police officer. You're a gym instructor. You're right where God needs it to be. And guess what? God has anointed you to be there. Just as God has anointed me to be here, God has anointed you to be in that position. You're the very link to bring someone to Jesus in the workplace that you're in. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You can be used by God today. All right. A practical tip is to pray like what I said before. And the next thing is to start a conversation. You can have it during lunch break. And here's the thing. When you spend time with God, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord. And when you hear the voice of the Lord and when he tells you to do it, you need to do it. You know why? Because on the other side of your obedience is somebody's breakthrough. I'll give you an example. I'm sure I've shared this story before. While we were on campus one time, I was training one of the students to do evangelism. And so we use this little booklet, and usually we do a survey with students. That same bl- booklet I had spoken with Salome about when she was a student, and here she is today. But while we were at AUT, I remember I was training one of the students, and there were so many students who were walking around the campus. And so we had gone and we went and spoke to one student, then we spoke to another student, and another student, and then when we sat down to have lunch, I remember that someone caught my eye right in the distance, and it was this girl that was smoking. And then when I looked at her, she actually looked scary. <laughs> and I felt a little bit intimidated by her. But I heard the Lord say, You need to go up and you need to speak to her. And immediately I said, mm, Maybe not Jesus maybe not today <laughs> only because she looked intimidating to me and she stood there and she was smoking and she was in the distance and so I and because I was with one of the students I said okay uh who else do you want to speak to and you know when you don't listen to God he'll use somebody else so you know what the student said to me oh why don't we go to that girl so says okay so we went we went and I said okay we started a conversation with her started explaining um, the 10 commandments with her and then this is what I said because we've been training this. I said, oh, my name is Fee. We're part of Every Nation Campus. We're talking to different students today just about what they believe. And I ju- we just wanted to ask you three questions. Um, do you believe in God? And she said, mm, yeah, kind of. And then I said, okay, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, my parents go to church. And then I just kind of went down the list. So I said, have you ever lied before? She goes, yes, everybody's lied. And I said, yeah, I've lied too. And then as I went down the list, have you stolen something? And she was smoking. She said, No. And then when I said, have you ever murdered someone? And then I explained in the Bible how it says, in Matthew, it says, if you hate someone, it's the same thing as murder. So have you ever committed that? And then all of a sudden, tears started well up in her eyes. Then, and then straight away, I was like, oh, please tell me you didn't murder someone because I'm standing next to you. <laughs> no, basically, she started, she stopped, she threw the cigarette away, and she started to well up in her eyes, and this is what she said to me. And I always remember this story because it taught me to obey God. She said, I had an abortion two weeks ago, and I had been praying and crying. I knew what I did was wrong, but I have been crying, God, please help me help me. And then you came. And so I tell you that story, ladies and gentlemen, because see, the gospel is the message of hope. This, this messi- it's, a, it's the message of hope. And that day I remember I was forever, like it was a lesson for me. Man, when God prompts me to move, I've got to move. Because on the other side of your obedience, ladies and gentlemen, is somebody's breakthrough. And they could be sitting right next to you in, 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 at work. And they're waiting for you to say something. Amen? Okay. All right. So I just wanted to say you can start a conversation. I wanted to give you another example in terms of moving people up the scale. Can we please go back to that slide, uh, Sonia, the next one? Moving people up the scale. It starts with just praying and having a conversation. And now I said before you might not know, oh, I don't know what to say. But when you talk to God, God will show you what to do. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And it's also important that you're getting discipled so that we can help you in that area as well. Moving people up the scale. I remember when uh, this year, this year we, me and Leonard started our campus ministry at MIT And it's such a blessing to be there. We've only been there for six months. In the beginning, they said we couldn't do a lot of what we normally do on the other campuses, run run our events, use the materials that we use with um, our Every Nation campus materials. They said, no, you're not allowed to use that. But as we continue to build with the staff, as we continue to pray, as we continue to be faithful and turn up every single week, you know what they said to us? They're like, whoa, you're here again every week. Like they were just shocked to see us every week, but we were faithful. And six months later, the door opened and they said, oh yes, the second orientation, you can use the materials that you wanna use. And we knew God had opened a door for us. But in that six months, (coughs) in that six months, Leonard had met a gentleman on campus. And this particular person studies and works on this campus. He sat down, and we happened to be working on the same table, me and Leo. It's a common room on one of the campuses. As we were working, this person walked in. He sat down, and the reason why he sat down is because he saw Leo's caricatures. Leo's an artist. And so Leo was drawing things for our campus, and he was working on the document, and then this individual walked in and saw his drawings and was immediately captured by it. And he said, hey, oh my gosh, wow, do you draw? And then Leonard goes, yes, yes. And because it's a big table, he just sat down, and it's a common room. He sat down, and they just started having a conversation with Leo. And then Leo said, oh, hey, bro, do you believe in God? Okay, this is how it actually started. He asked, what do you do here? And then Leonard said, oh, me and Fi, we're, one of, we're the new chaplains here on this campus. We just started six months ago. And then he said, oh, what, what do you guys do? And then he said, oh, we are here to help any student that needs prayer, any student that's going through a difficult time. That's why we're here on this campus. Bro, do you believe in God? Just slipped it in there. But, you know, me and Leo have been doing this for a long time, and we've had many mistakes. And because we've done it for such a long time now, we've gotten better at it. Just like when you go to the gym and you exercise that muscle all the time, guess what? You're going to see some biceps, okay? The same thing that's going to happen when you exercise your faith. You have to just do it. And guess what? You will see God move when you do it, when you just obey. So Leonard said, oh, hey, do you believe in God? And then he said, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. But it was leaning more towards a no. And then I, I think he said yes. Leo, did he say Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure he said yes. But um basically I asked him at the I asked him while we were sitting there and I said, Oh bro, do you go to church? And um he said, Oh no, no, no. And I said, Oh, okay, how come? And he said, Oh, because I'm rejected, I'm not accepted there. And I said, Oh, why? And then he replied, Oh, because of my sexuality. And I went, Oh, sorry about that, bro. And that's it. That's the only conversation I had with him that day. But Leo continued talking with him. And he gave, us in, he gave Leo enough information for us to know that he had a bad experience with Christianity. And now he forever didn't want to go to church. So Leo and I knew our job is just to pray for him. We're not going to tell him about God. We want, God to, we want him to see God in our life. So what do we do? We just went on now. We're going to move him up the scale. So where does he sit in that graph? He sits in emptiness because he gave us enough information to explain what he was going through. So Leo just continued to befriend him. I'm sorry. Leo met him in Jan, not six months ago. Leo met him in January. But over time, Leo would be faithful to meet with him, have lunch with him. I would see him occasionally because I was meeting with other girls, but I would see him on the campus. i would be like, hey, what's up, man? And then we had one campus service in April or May, and Leonard asked him, hey, bro, um, I'm going to speak at this thing. Do you want to come? It's one of our campus events. It is Christian, and it's like a service, but we'd love for you to be there. And he said, oh, nah, it's all right. No, nah, all good. But Leonard knew, okay, no, I'm just going to continue to pray for him. Because our job is not to save him. Our job is to trust God with the results and pray for him, and he will move him up the, God will move them up the scale. And I'm sharing that practical tip with you because you can do that too. Leonard just kept having lunch with him. And you know what that common thing was? Drawing. And you know what that is, ladies and gentlemen? Evangelism. That's what it is. Everyone here is good at something. Everyone here is good at something. And what you're good at, God will use that gift, talent, and tool within you to evangelize to somebody else. Amen? Yes? Yes? You're good at it. So Leo just kept drawing. And because he's so intrigued by it, by it, he was just listening to him and talking. And then the next campus service came where I had to preach, which was just a couple of weeks ago. And to my surprise, I saw him sitting there. And I was shocked because I already knew this guy, he doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. He doesn't care about God. But I was so shocked to see him there. I went and stood at the back of the church when worship was going on. And it was such an awesome night, and I could see him. He wasn't lifting up his hands or anything like that. He just sat there and listened. But I knew that God was speaking to him. God was doing something. Has he given his life to Jesus? No, because we are still moving him up the scale. Will he come to Jesus? I pray that he does, because it is a choice. But our prayer is that he will reach repentance and faith, conversion, and then we can keep helping him move up the scale. Amen? Does this help you? Is this good practical tips for you to learn so that when you go out tomorrow to work or to the gym or to the shopping mall, you know how to use these things, ladies and gentlemen, because God can use you too. I'm not some special weapon up here to evangelize. God is just looking for someone that is available and he'll use you. And the question is, is will you be used by God? That's the question. He is no respecter of persons. He will use anyone that desires to be used by him. High school students, university students, any single person that's sitting in here, you can be used by God. The second reason why believers do not share their faith with others is because they do not understand the importance of why. They don't understand why. Say why with me. Why? Why is sharing the gospel important? It is important, ladies and gentlemen, because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. In Luke chapter 10, I'm going to go to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10, it says, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. If you read the word, Sodom is a city located northeast of the Dead Sea around the Israel border, Israel area. If you read the Genesis story, Sodom is an evil city that God had to destroy because of its sinfulness. But how much more us? The major reason for evangelism and the major reason why it's important to spread the gospel is because the kingdom of God is near. And here's the thing the kingdom of God is near. God is holy, righteous, and just, and he will not allow sin to go unpunished. Just because you can sit here, just because I go to church all the time, doesn't mean I can get into heaven. If I have to get in based on God's standard, not on my standard. I've had many conversations with students on campus, and they say, I ask them, also, oh, do you think when, this is through random conversations, and I'll ask, do you think you're a good person? And they say, yes, because this question was asked to me as well. And then I asked, do you think you'll get into heaven? And they say, yes. And I say, oh, okay. Why is that? And they say, because I'm a good person. Because I've never murdered anyone. Because I've never stolen anything. I've never committed adultery. I'm a good person. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, your standard of good and God's standard of good are two very different standards. If I wanted to be a lawyer and I walked into that firm... They're going to ask me for my credentials. Have you been admitted to the bar? I'll say, no. And they say, well, you cannot be a lawyer. (laughs) Just because I think I'm good. If you wanted to get into the University of Auckland and you had different, you know, AUT transcripts, they're going to look at your transcripts, which is probably a good one. But if you do not meet the criteria of that university, you cannot get in. So your standard of good and God's standard of good are two very different standards. And when I came to realize that for myself, I realized, okay, hold on, Lord. Here am I thinking that I'm a good person. But God has a standard. He is a father that loves and cares, but he is also just and righteous. Righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. And he will not let sin go unpunished. You see, he is 100% holy. And he cannot live with sin. And the problem with sin is it separates us, it separates us from God. So that's where we have the problem. That's why this gospel is important. Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. This is what it reads: "And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment." The reason why this gospel is important is not just so that you can have a great life and so you can be restored. But it's because one day we're all going to stand before this most high God. One day we're all going to have to give an account of how we have been living our lives here on this earth. It's not what I say. It's what the word says. And we as believers today, we have to recognize what sin does in our life and what it will do to others. But that's why, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came. That's why there's good news. John chapter 3.16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is calling us to repentance. And God knows every single detail that's going on with us. He knows if we're being a hypocrite, or he knows that we're being genuine in our worship with him. I didn't put a scripture up there, but there's Matthew 7, 21. You can go and read this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we lead worship? Didn't I stand there as an usher? Many will stand and say, God, I worshipped you. But you know what he will say? This is what the scripture reads. It says... Away with me. I do not know you. I do not know you. Just because I'm standing up here today, I have to make sure that I am growing in my relationship with God. That I know Jesus. That I'm obeying him and following him. Because the desire is he wants me to know him personally. Just like how you know your spouse or how you know your mom or dad. A relationship a relationship with, with Jesus is what matters the most. And so what I'm saying today is our standard And God's standard is two very different standards. But that's why we need Jesus. Because no amount of good works is going to get you into heaven. No amount of giving to charity. No amount of helping this person and helping that person. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, this world is temporary. All those designer shoes and designer bags that you have, they're going to stay here. And one day, where are you going to go? There's only two places, heaven or hell. And that's why we need a savior. That's why we need him. God is not just a father, but he is also a judge. You know, when I came from Fiji as a young individual, I had grown up in church my whole life. Sung the songs, given the tithe. But my lifestyle was, I was a complete hypocrite. When I left the doors, even before the church finished, I was already planning what I was going to do. Disobedience towards God. Until I came here and I got faced with the truth. That apart from God being a loving and gracious dad, he is also a righteous judge. And he willed judges according to his standard. But based on his love for us, he understood that you can't do anything. You can't get yourself into heaven. I can't get myself into heaven. There has to be blood that was shed to pay this price. When someone commits a crime and they stand before the judge, they can't simply just say, Please forgive me, I will never do it again. They gotta pay the time. They gotta go to jail because that's the laws, laws of the land. But God also has laws. And He uses that as an example for us to know that one day we are gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's nice to hear flowery messages, ladies and gentlemen. But this is why the gospel needs to go out. It's because where are you going to spend eternity? Are you going to spend it with our Father in heaven? Are you going to see your mom and dad there? Many people, they might pass away. And the first thing they write on Facebook, oh, we've lost you to heaven. No. God has a standard. And I'm unashamed to say that this morning because this message is going to change your life. The gospel, I'm unashamed of it because it's the gospel that's going to transform you. If you're suffering in your marriage, it's the gospel that's going to help you. If you're looking for finances, it's the gospel that's going to help you. If you want to be free from addiction, it's the gospel that's going to help you. One more story. I wasn't going to share this, but I know God wants me to say it. When we were in Fiji, we took a team in 2011, way back before we planted the church. And I had a ministry partner there who had been faithfully giving towards mission to partner with me to do what God's called me to do. And this partner, I had bumped into her in the mall in Fiji, one of the small malls there. And I was so shocked when I saw her because she had lost so much weight. She had gone so skinny like anorexic. I barely could recognize her. She called me, Fee. And I turned and then I was very taken back by her physical appearance. And then I said, oh, my goodness. I said her name, and then I said, hey, I'm bringing a team. They're going to arrive next week from New Zealand. We're coming to do a ministry thing. I would love for you to be at the dinner. So I basically was organizing a dinner for my ministry partners there to honor and thank them for sowing into the mission. So what had happened was I said, please, you've got to be there. And She said, oh, come and sit down with me. We're at the food court. She moved me to the food court. She sat me down, and she said, Fitaloa, I know you don't know this, but me and her husband, we've been having problems. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I know them really well. I said, I'm so sorry, she said, he's left me for somebody else. And my heart broke because they've been faithfully sowing into this mission and then this is what's happening. And I said to her, you gotta come to the dinner. I can't help her, I'm not married. But I knew if she comes to the dinner, God is gonna do something. I had to trust. I had to trust that God was gonna do something. So here's what happened. I said, please, you gotta come to the dinner remember this you got to come to the dinner so she called me the next day and she said oh sasala was also on that trip too we were there ministering through music and then uh, she called me and she said oh his name again he's he's not going to come it's just going to be me and then i said okay that's fine just come please come to the dinner she came to the dinner and praise god but to my surprise again he ended up coming because he heard i was in town And because I've got a good relationship with both of them, he ended up coming. So we had the dinner, and we did items and things like that. And then we honored the partners. And then we had asked a particular uh, person in our team to share their story and what they had gone through. And this person, who was part of our church, they explained how their marriage was on the rocks. They talked about how it was headed for destruction. But then God intervened and restored them. And as they're testifying, as they're testifying, I can see in the corner that my both, my partners are crying. At the end of the night, she comes up to me, he comes up to me too. And they both tell me, man, God saved our marriage today. And then they left with (laughs) holding hands and walking out. And you know what? She called me the next morning, and this is what she said. "Fitzalor, I'm so happy I'm partnering with you and sowing into this ministry because this ministry has helped me know Jesus more. And the reason why I'm sharing that, I'm sorry I'm crying, but the reason why I cry when I explain it is because I've watched God allow me to be used by him to see people come to know him. And my challenge to you today is that you can be used too to do that. It's not just meant for full-time ministers and pastors. Can I please have the keys up as well? It's not just meant for full-time ministers and pastors. It can be for every single person that's sitting here. What does God want you to do? Who has he placed next to you? Who's at your job that has opened up to you about what they're going through? Someone next to you has definitely, in the time that you've been walking with Jesus, has probably spoken to you. About something that's happened in their life. And guess who's the person to answer? You. That's a wake-up call from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's the Lord telling you like, yo, listen. Does that make sense? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I turned a year older this week, and I decided to just spend the day, you know, asking God what He wanted me to do for the rest of the how many years I'm going to be on this planet. And I thanked Him that I reached 34 years of age. Yes, I'm 34, but I thanked Him that I reached this age. But how do I know I'm gonna reach 40? How do I know that I'm gonna get there? Because life is short and life is temporary, it really is. In the short time that I've been here on this earth, I've I've had many friends pass away. My girlfriends that I went to school with, and it breaks my heart because I know that some of them, not all of them, some of them did not know Jesus. And I really wish, oh man, I wish, that I was there to tell them, to lead them to Christ. But unfortunately, I was here in New Zealand and they're still in Fiji. But when the texts would come and they would say, hey, sis, so-and-so has passed away. We thought you should know. The girls that I would sit next to in class. And so when I had my birthday this week, I said, Father, thank you that I've reached this age on this planet and that you've allowed me to stand here to continue to do what you want me to do. And my challenge is wherever you are you got to number your days, because how do you know you will wake up tomorrow? Have you led the people that you love to Christ? This is not some game, this is not some Sunday that we're just going to keep coming here and just doing the church thing and ticking a box and leaving. We want to see people restored to God. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see people free from bondage. We want to see people healed. We want to see the sick healed. We want people to be added to the family. There's so many people that are lonely. They want to have family and we want them to come. Come into the family. Yes, we get annoyed, but come into the family. You know, so that's the thing. I want you to remember this gospel is, and evangelism is really you telling another person where to find bread. Here, this is where you can find hope. This is where you can find peace. Let's stand, ladies and gentlemen.